0: This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. Hello and welcome to the Hot Girls Podcast with me, Lex on the Decks. This week, I'm joined by Shay D, a London based rapper whose recent release, Speaking in Tongues, reflects the development of an artist who's been bubbling and releasing and championing women in rap for time. Shay started in the spoken word space, running her own poetry nights. She also founded and led the first all female UK hip hop tour and is a champion for underrepresented voices in all spaces. She's genuinely so lovely, but also so creative and a hustler in the best sense of the word. Shady on the Hot Girls podcast. Let's go, ladies! ladies l- l- listen up. Stop. You're listening to Hot Girls Stop.
1: with Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. We going. We on fire from London for the world. Let's go in. I found it really therapeutic during lockdown. I just, I just, I, just, I was painting trainers and nails and like cups. I was just painting things.
0: <laughs> Well, th- the first thing I wanted to ask you is like, I get the impression from just your the volume of your output and all the different areas that you've kind of worked in, that you are just an, one of those people who's just like very creative and constantly has ideas. And I was wondering if that's the case with writing, whether you are just someone who's constantly writing or whether your creative process is actually like, you go in waves.
1: Mm, um. I am always writing cuz I like I still so since I still have, like, have a diary. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I still nice. I still like journal things. I'll write things down, I'll write bits of bars. Like it's so interesting that you asked that because I kind of deep cleaned my room yesterday and I had boxes and boxes under my bed and I read in this like feng shui book that you shouldn't have things under your bed like it should like air should just flow through everything so I was like okay I don't want to have all these boxes and stuff so I started looking through literally all of yesterday I was looking through I have like filofaxes from like 2009 So I was looking of what I was doing on September 5th or whatever, 2009 and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like I write a lot. There was about seven boxes of just lyric books and diaries. So I do write a lot. But when, when I know I have to write for an album or like an EP or a project, it's really weird. It's like, I go into this mode where it's almost like, you know, in school you have to write an assignment for something called like an essay for something. I, mm-hmm. It's a different type of writing that I do. And I actually don't prefer it. I like just writing bits and bobs of whatever rather than having to write for a project. If I'm doing an album and I've got like five grime hype kind of mad rap songs, I'll be like, oh, I need to mellow it down. So I need to write three mellow tunes now. And then it's, it's almost like... You have a template to do, but it almost becomes a bit forced. But I do actually just prefer just writing because I have been since I'm little. I was raised an only child. So until I was like 12 and then my dad had loads of other kids with like other people. So when you were young, you were always like entertaining yourself, essentially. Literally. Like I would like I had imaginary friends. I used to like really think that my like toys and stuff would come to life when I left the room so I would place them in certain places and run back in to see if they moved like you literally do really weird things as an only child and you you do make up stories and write I just guess you yeah you're just entertaining yourself nonstop.
0: Yeah and it's interesting that thing you were saying about when you know what you need to deliver on a project and it does slightly shift your relationship with what you're creating I even find that with music like because I'm producer of it and then when you've got a deadline and you've got a thing it's necessary because otherwise the work doesn't get done yeah. and you know what you want to deliver, but it's very hard to like have that freedom and, and like knowing exactly what you need to deliver against having those restrictions as well. Isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's nice to be able to have a deadline or, you know, like a brief because mm. you know, it has to get done. Otherwise, I mean, us creatives, maybe we'd never put something out. <laughs> We're just like, oh, yeah, one more month. Oh, yeah, one more month. But I feel like when I first started doing music, that side of it, I think I, I feel like it was a bit more enjoyable. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy it now, but I think that kind of, you know, that freedom, like if, you know, now you have to answer to like a distributor or people mm-hmm. have an expectation of you or something. And that kind of goes away. Whereas when I was banging out mixtapes and like burning my own songs on CDs to hand out in clubs, like no one cared. Who cares when I put something out? Like, so yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Like.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you something else, but I actually just want to ask about that
1: process of burning
0: CDs and handing stuff (laughs) out in clubs. Did you literally go up to DJs in the booth and say,
1: this is my record, play it? Yeah, I was that proper sad person that would plug themselves. So again, yesterday when I was going through these boxes, I found all these CDs that was like Shady track one, backing track two. And I was like, oh my God, what are these songs? And then one of them was like my first ever official recording that I did. It was, it was this guy I had met on the street in Finsbury Park, who used to work in a butcher shop. And he just hollered at me when I was walking past. I stopped and we spoke and he said he does music. And I said, I do music, but I'd never gone to the studio before. (laughs) And he said, Oh, yeah, like I'm in a I'm in a crew, like I'm in a rap crew. Anyway, we ended up, me and my friend ended up going to their studio in Barnet and it was like the first time I ever laid a verse down and they were called, I actually found the back of the CD, not the front, and they were called Flaming Hot Crew. <laughs> and at the time, I must have been going by Lady Shady because that's what it says on the CD. <laughs> <laughs> Lady oh my- Shady, as in Lady Shady or yeah. Shady. Let's lady shady. yeah lady shady and i was like oh my god and i was i couldn't find the cd i only had the back of it and i was proper trying to remember my bars and i was like this is so mental but yeah i just used to put my tracks on a cd i used to use the printer at work to print stickers when, when no one was looking That had, like, my MySpace and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, I just literally used to go up to people and just give them out at, like, open mic nights and to DJs and hoped someone would play something on pirate radio. But a lot of the time, that's kind of, like, my main core fan base initially had come from that, like, Mm. doing the groundwork and meeting people at open mics, whereas now everything's, like, proper social media, so... It is. But I I don't know if you find the same
0: thing. I do find the relationships that I've met with people face to face, even on social media, like they're a different level of invested in you. Yeah. Like, you know, like I feel like social media because it's so much in the algorithm and stuff that like yeah. people can be kind of into you and then you can drop off their feed or their radar or whatever and like versus people who have actually seen you live or they seem to be in my experience a little bit more dedicated or a bit more invested
1: yeah I think you're absolutely right I think when people have met you or come to a show they've kind of attached like an experience to you so Mm -hmm. they feel like kind of know you and they were there they were part of your journey whereas yeah you're right if, if you don't show up on someone's feed they might forget about you until you pop up again but all the live shows that I did I'm so glad that I was able to build up at the time where I mean Facebook and stuff was still happening kind of thing but I used to run an event for three years as well which was like an open mic night Um, and people used to come every single month and I used to host and I feel like if I hadn't done all those open mic events and run poetry events and rap events, like I wouldn't have built as much people to then come to my live show or come to my headline show. If I had only re- relied on social media, especially on someone who kind of like is on social media so much for like two weeks and then I literally won't use it for like two weeks I'll disappear. So <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know if I would have been able to get dedicated listeners like if I just did social media and I always yeah. think I don't know if you ever think this but let's just say for example just tomorrow Instagram shuts down and decides not to exist what like what are people that only rely on it like what would they do like no one would know where to find you where to go how, like anything whereas mm. I always try and uh, try and at least build up a mailing list or use some other thing as a backup because it's kind of scary that your whole career is based on something that could just go delete by someone else.
0: I a hundred percent agree. I think the exact same thing, like Instagram, even your Instagram, it is not yours. It is Mark Zuckerberg and his universes. <laughs> and it's like being a seller on eBay, like, but you could flip it and be on Depop or whatever. Like right. it, Anything you do shouldn't be reliant on one channel, which is outside yeah. of your control. I completely agree.
1: Yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask, obviously you've released an album this year and not to talk too much about the pandemic, but how did you find that period of time affected your writing and your work? Do you feel like you were able to create more from it maybe? Or yeah, what was the impact of it?
1: It's so, it's so weird because initially I was like, Oh my God, my studio is closed down. What am I going to do? Because there's only one place that I feel comfortable to go and record. Okay. Um, I've been literally recording with the same. producer his name's Gadget I've been recording with him for like nine years like my first ever recording was with him apart from the flaming Hot (laughs) crew yeah I was like oh apart from them um I've literally been recording with him and he's he's like a Croatian ex-rock star he's got nothing to do with the hip-hop scene so I've always been so comfortable around him there's like no judgment he's really experimental Mm. and I I've always recorded them when I've gone to there's sometimes been like really big producers who have like invited me to their studios and stuff. And I'm just a bit uncomfortable and and scared to go because I feel like I'm I'm a bit shy and I I wouldn't be able to like Dennis will be like, oh, sing this, do that, go high pitch. And I I could be stupid, whereas just a big producer that I'm excited to work with, I think I'd be a bit like I can't just do anything here. Like I'd feel a bit like stooshed. So I'm supposed to be making an album like and the studio is closed down. Like, what do I do? And um, from my youth work job, we like we were uh, furloughed, but I actually had to like carry on working. Um, so then we ended up doing stuff on Zoom because I couldn't just let the young people just like have no access to us. Yeah. But it gave me a bit of time, like working from home in that sense where I was like, maybe it's time to just invest in some of my own equipment. So I ended up buying a home studio. I like got bits and bobs. I made Stay Positive socks. I had like my merch line. I sold all the socks and I bought the studio stuff from the money I made from the merch. That's wicked. Which was really cool. And um, yeah, I just started experimenting and, and learning logic and just doing stuff at home. So what I was able to do is draft a lot of my songs and experiment mm-hmm. on my own and then I made a lot of progress with that and then when the studios kind of opened back up I was able to take my drafts to the studio and then and then build so in a way if I if the pandemic didn't have like if we didn't have lockdown I don't think I would have actually got it all done.
0: Yeah I've I've spoken to quite a few people who have had that exact same experience I think if you were able to do that then it's a really cool thing to have taken away yeah. um the tracks obviously a lot of them are really vibey and like high energy were you craving that
1: no <laughs> like literally not at all I 100% don't miss performing like really, so weird that yeah so I, interesting I I don't miss events I don't miss raving I literally don't care if I don't go to another festival again I just it's so weird like it's so so weird saying it out loud like this as well but I did not miss any of that and I think I really like realized like how because I've always thought I'm a bit of an extrovert and Mm. I think I was like okay I think I'm actually not and I just realized (laughs) how much of an introvert I am. And I just really, you know, love being at home and mm. love being able to just not go out. <laughs> like just it's so weird. And I, I don't know if it's because I did so much of it for the past three, four years. I was running a monthly spoken word hip hop night. I was hosting club nights with all the girls, um, mm. literally jumping up and down on stage like every Friday and Saturday. Um I had my headline show. Then I put two of the all-female hip-hop tours on where we were, like, going from city to city, doing festivals, recording, and doing youth work, and doing radio. And I think I just was like, I'm really burnt out and really tired and run down. And actually doing all of these events and shows, they don't really, like, feed me like that. Like, I think I just got used to doing it. You know? Like, so now I feel like... If I did an event, I would really want to do it. Like it would be like, like an in-store for my vinyl stuff, or a headline show, or like a super big festival that I've like never done. Whereas before, I would literally just do any gig. Not like any gig, but most of the time.
0: Yeah, like most gigs would excite you, and you'd be like, yeah, that'll be that's cool. Um... Yeah, or
1: well, kind of feel obliged as well to do it because it's like, you know, you're a rapper. Your job is to rap and perform. That's your job. So yeah, go and yeah. do your job. You, otherwise, how can you say you're, how can you be a performer or rapper? Like you're not.
0: Did you think you have a different mindset going into this? this? Is your third album? Yeah. Do you think, how do you think your mindset's like changed over the albums that you've put out?
1: That's such a good question. Um, you can proper hear like the, the journey, like my first album, A Figure of Speech. It's very personal Um, and it's like super about it's like social commentary like fully it's like about it's about like what I care about what's wrong with the world like what we need to do Mm. to fix it a bit preachy in my opinion Um, but very personal as well and then human rights I feel like was a good balance like it had um, like the hype stuff it had like deeper tracks there was like Uh, features that were singing on it so it like felt like a really good body of work Um, and I think the balance of like subjects was like good and I took that from human rights into this album Mm. um, because I like having a balance because I love grime I love hip-hop I love UK rap and I'd never sang on an album before and I got to play with this album is more fun for me I was like I want to be honest. I want to do like, you know, that, like, for example, Break Up Song is on it, which is like really personal. Rain On Me is really personal. But I was like, I really want to have fun. Like, I want mm. to enjoy, I want to enjoy making music. And I never had loads of features. My first album had like no features. Mm. Faisal, um, face, I face all, um, who was f- Faisal before, he just sang on like one track. Had no features. And then on Human Rights, I had a couple. This one, I was like, I want all my friends (laughs) on this. I want everyone just to come studio, have fun. Like, let me just be my personality and different sides of it. And it ended up being a good body of work. It goes through a journey. It is very hype. And then it becomes, it's like hype like to show off that you can actually rap and yeah. the technical side and all the syllables and that kind of flow stuff. Then it's like super fun and flirty and summary. And then it goes more introverted to finish, like and, and goes more in. And I think that's kind of the sides of me that I experienced through lockdown, which I'm sure loads of people, I don't know how you how how was you through lockdown? Did you become like more introverted or did you kind of be like, I wanted
0: go and meet everyone I think I am I mean I think loads of people think this but I'm a proper like introvert and extrovert I love I need time by myself I need to work on, I, I work on loads of stuff I write as well so I have to have that time by myself but then I'll take too much of it and then I'll plan loads of things and be like I need to see people I need to go out like, I need to, party. <laughs> like, um, to make up for it yeah so what I found that like, fine a Gemini oh so, the twins. Okay. That makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, I'm a proper Gemini. But like you're two people. <laughs> I am. So the first the start of lockdown, I was like it having the most zen time, kind of like you. I was really burnt out. Uh, like life had just been really manic, and um so did that. And then, and then was like loving. And then hit a point where I was like, I just want to go out. Like I really, I really want to see my friends. I miss my friends so much. Like yeah. want to see my family. So. Yeah, but in terms of work and creativity, like, I didn't suffer at all. I found I had more time to actually do stuff, and I did love that. So...
1: Did you find after, like, when everything opened up, when you would go out, would you feel so tired, like, straight away? Because I I was, I'd go to one thing and I'd be like, how did we used to fit four more things into the day? I'm so tired. I have not worked out
0: how, like, the first, like, the idea, you know how... Going out it used to be like okay, I'm going to this first, then I'm going to pop into this thing, and then I'm going to end up here. <laughs> now I'm like, how?
1: <laughs> how, You know they say it takes like twelve weeks to develop habits or drop yeah. and it's kind of like that. I feel like we just developed all like within that time because it was a good solid what six months of something, and we just all developed a whole new kind of personality. Like yeah,
0: yeah. But I've been I've been absolutely loving being out again i've yeah. really been loving it like even going to festivals going to like playing at clubs and just having people around yeah i've been like yeah you're back in your zone <laughs> yes yeah, so back in the zone um jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it I really wanted to ask you a slightly different topic, but obviously you mentioned it in the conversation, all-female hip-hop tours. First of all, before we kind of get onto the idea behind that, I was wondering how you think being a woman in a very male-dominated space and genre, what you think the main challenges or implications have been
1: on that for you? I've been, you know, it's so weird. I've been asked this question a lot, but not recently. And... I feel like I have like a better perspective, like having some space from it now of the problems um, of being a a girl, a woman in, in that space. And normally I would say like, oh, it's, you know, people's judgment of you and thinking like most people always assumed I sang before I said I rapped because girls don't normally. Yeah. They'd be like, she's, she
0: must be the hook girl.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly that. But do you know what? To be honest, the main challenge for me that I feel like as a female rapper will slow you down or whatever in a way is um, selling selling sex. Majorly, I feel like women who rap are expected to be very sexually open, uh, very provocative in the way they dress and dance in videos on stage. I feel like if your content isn't about your pussy and the man you can get and you can take someone's man and basically all of that aesthetic um, is basically the challenge. So if you sit outside of that I had a really awkward conversation. I'm not going to name drop, but about 10 days ago to actually, no, it was literally a few days after my album dropped. So like three weeks ago or something, me and my manager parted ways, literally the day after my album, um, like, like, yeah, amicably, amicably hundred percent. He's so lovely, but a bit unexpectedly, uh, a bit sooner than I thought, (laughs) But um, he's he's like super nice. So it's was, it was definitely amicable. It was just a bit of a surprise. And very strangely, a few days later, I had a very well-known rap UK rap artist manager in my DMs saying, why aren't you bigger? I can make you big. I've had that so many times. Why aren't you bigger than you are? Blah, blah, blah. You've got the look. You can rap. You've got really good rap skills. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was just like, because I literally wrote because I'm not a clown (laughs) yeah and he was like oh what do you mean and I said to him because I'm not gonna put on a pink wig and wear lingerie in a video and twerk against the car while I rap that's not how I am like I'm a big woman I'm not like a little you and he was just like Oh, I'm not gonna lie, and he works for a very, very, very big brand, like very big label. And he was like, oh, "I'm not gonna lie, sex does sell, especially with women in rap." And da da da. And I said to him, "Unfortunately, I know, and like I said, I'm not a clown. I'm not gonna participate in entertaining the male gaze to get loads of money." But thanks anyway. And he was like, "Whoa, okay, you're a bit." He was basically trying to say like, "You're a bit anti." like kind of thing and I was a bit like well yeah because I'm like a little bit sick of these conversations that I have Mm. and you know it's it's just annoying because it's like if you there's only like one or two that can kind of get through like you know like your little sims or like in America you have like Rhapsody or something but then there's like literally like 50 other female artists I can think of and unfortunately unless you have that look and you're rapping about that stuff and and dancing a certain way, which like a couple of my friends are like, like literally even have OnlyFans, not not to do porn, but to just be on OnlyFans and have exclusive things and pictures and stuff like that. And they're doing well and I love it. And I literally rate them. But if you want to be outside of that, It's like you almost have no choice but to really grind it out independently. Mm. And it gets really tiring because you're like, I want to be able to put makeup on, but wear a tracksuit and talk about social commentary or have like a girl power anthem. Mm. Um, And for that to blow as much as me, you know, like just like twerking and, you know, doing the Cardi B Nicki Minaj route that a lot of UK female rappers have followed that Mm. template, Um, And you can see that they're also successful. And then also for me personally, being like a Persian, like Middle Eastern woman who raps as well, it's like, where's your audience? If you know... people are like, oh, there's a
0: box here and I don't know how you fit it.
1: Yeah. And And I've always noticed that a lot of rappers, if you looked at their audience, the majority of people who listen to them and stuff, apart from when you're at a festival where there's like a mixture of people a lot of rappers, their fans look like them. Mm. Like I was at the Burner Boy um, show a couple Fridays ago. I took like my young people there and literally the entire audience, like when he was like, who's from Ghana, who's from Nigeria? It was like the whole building, bar like a few. And I was like, this is amazing. It's like his people Mm. are here for him, you know? As an Iranian female rapper, there's barely like, a percentage of Persian girls even in the country for them all to be here if you get me like if I yeah. went to like Indonesia or Asia or the Middle East it would be different so for me it's like my headline show like my my Camden Assembly show for example it was like sold out and there was like literally 12 year olds with like their grandmas that had come and um, there was like rude boys in the corner there was like elder couples from like the poetry world that had come and it was like such a mad mix So but diverse. It, it was so diverse but sometimes that's not easy to market to and mm. sell to because you know like a label and stuff they'll sit with me and be like who's your niche like what's your niche audience and I'm like humans <laughs> it's like you know so th- there's been it's it's really, really difficult that I've been through so many moments where I've had meetings and stuff with people and opportunities where they want me to be like more, it's all to do with what you look like and how you are, how yeah, basically like how you sell yourself sexually. And I'm just Mm. like, not ever going to do that. I always
0: think it's, um, people are annoyingly lazy sometimes and they, to save them having to think too much, <laughs> they're basically like, oh, this worked for that person. Therefore, we know it can work again. So let's yeah. try and find someone or something that fills into that slot. And so when you are a bit different or you don't tick certain boxes, then it's just too hard work and let's, there's loads of other people out there. So let's find someone else that does tick those boxes or is more moldable. Mm. I find it quite shocking that someone who works at a reputable cook- agency company will say, casually will sex sells as if that's like an acceptable thing yeah, to say and to subscribe to yeah Megan Thee Salian and Cardi B have had huge success but so have loads of other artists over the years like Queen Latifah who never subscribed to that yeah and it, people listen to music and everything else is part of the package of course that people buy into yeah but primarily you listen to an artist for their music that's the yeah. number one thing so I always think it's strange when all the other layers get put above the thing 100%. that is surely what where it all started.
1: Yeah. But that's the thing as well, because like I feel like now um, there's so many like talented, like female rappers that make really good music, but then there's also the ones who they've been so they've been and I know it's from their labels like I know they've been pushed so far into about dance and what they look like and their aesthetic that even the quality of their music from what they used to make two years ago is completely changed it's right. like super simple really repetitive bars really simple production where some of the artists I I personally know that they can rap rap like mm. they're really good at bar in but they only get to do it if they record a freestyle or if they just happen to be filmed somewhere and they're rapping and someone listening to them will just think that's the music they make that kind of like mm. pop hip pop sound and not know that actually that girl can spit you know and it's just mm. she's come so far away from that because everyone around is just pushing a look and that's that's what's hitting the numbers and that's what people social media is visual so people just want like this visual aid over the music they might listen to a single once but they follow the artist because they like what they look like you know if if social media had no visual it would be like so different
0: the initial nugget that made me want to start this podcast was the people online who would say well the real reason for the gender gap is the cream rise to the top and actually there's no real like obviously there's just guys are just the guys here are better than the girls yeah and I think that point that you've exactly hit on is a huge part of it if we're not gonna let rappers who are women rap mm-hmm. then you're not gonna get best rappers who are women because yeah they're, they're having to sing half sing half rap kind yeah. of on their songs
1: guys never ever have this problem, they will never sit with someone talking to them so long about what they look like, what they're styled, what they're going to wear. Like, you know, it's going to be some sort of jeans, some t-shirt with a puffer jacket, like, you know, with their chains, that's literally what they have to care about. It doesn't matter what they look like, how much they weigh, if they're muscly, if they have belly fat, if they don't, it's just about their track and who they've collaborated with. And that was a really massive part of me wanting to put the tour together because I kept seeing these guy rappers on stage and they were bringing out their brethren, like their Mm. friends all the time. Oh, here's blah, blah, blah with a verse. And then he'd come up and do that. And I was like, that is so sick. They're like constantly pushing each other and collaborating and stuff. Why aren't we doing that as girls? I had never gone to a female rapper's show where I saw them bring out five other girls because we're so grinding hard to stand Mm. out and to do our thing because it's so hard to do it that you kind of forget about bringing other people with you because you're just trying to get yourself there right now so I was like why don't we do that why don't I come out on stage and bring out Tremendous and Bobby Johnson and Ellie and Angel and why don't I do that in each city why don't we all help raise each other's profile because no one is seeing that from Mm. us and it was so weird because all the feedback and comments like and stuff that would be underneath would always be from guys. And it would just always be like, this is sexist. What about the guys? What do you mean all female tour? What about an all male tour? And it was like, because all male tours are every week.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, you just don't need to call it that
1: because you didn't even notice. Yeah, it's like constantly guys featuring guys, guys, guys on, on tour festival lineups. We saw it with wireless two mm. years in a row. We've seen it all the time that. If you take all the guys' names away, there's three names. Yeah. So it's just like, I this literally the reason why I did it. Because I could have just toured my album with my DJ, who was at the time as well, was just a girl. So I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, if we're going to do this, why don't I, instead bring of me thinking about it and complaining, why don't I just do it and set the example myself? And you never know, in a couple of years, maybe another female rapper will do it and bring us on and and. And so on, you know? I did that. And I think
0: from a lot of the other work that you've done, um, just being in music and being in poetry, and you said your own open mic night, has that all been part of forming and just a nice community? Because I think that like music is quite a tribal space. The industry can be quite, sometimes you just want to know who your people are. And I imagine that doing those things and putting other people on has also allowed you to connect and build very genuine relationships with other artists
1: oh yeah a hundred percent like um you know it's it's like like even having the tracks on the album with like Roxanne is on a track and then another track has Lioness and Debo and they were all part of the second tour so we were all supposed to perform at the headline show and because that didn't happen I was like oh you know like why don't we do a track and this and they were all so up for it and it was really amazing um you know, and it's not always all peaches and 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 good. You know, there's there's been, like, like some of the girls were like really anti being called like female rappers or like female tour, but they yeah. wanted the benefits of it, so they kind of also got involved, but then also have have kind of backed away yeah. from it a bit as well. And you know, at the same time, it's like pe- people are different. It's not always community community everyone you know uniting, but the people who have that has really filtered and left like a really strong unit. Um, One of my best friends, um, MC Angel, who's an author. So she goes by Shauna. Her name is Shauna O'Brien. Okay. Um, But as a rapper, she was MC Angel. And she's like the first uh, girl to ever put on a lesbian hip hop night in London. She really pioneered all of that stuff and actually I started running an event with her and she's the first person who got me into an all-female collective at the time Mm -hmm. she had curated a show for Nick Knight's show studio Mm -hmm. and got me involved and then she was like I want to I want us to be an all-female collective and we did like a show at the jazz cafe she taught me how to be on stage and host, and she's always been about building a community. She's the a night called Lyrically Challenged at Passing Clouds, and I think if it wasn't for Shauna, I wouldn't have developed this mindset of like building everyone up together. Because I feel like when we do build each other up, everybody wins like hundred percent. And I've seen I've seen it happen. Mm. So. Yeah, I think, and she she came on tour. So she was the host on tour. She's she's an amazing poet and her book is incredible. It's like her life story. Um, but yeah, she she really taught me the importance of, like you said, like music being a tr- like a tribal space and that we all should network and give each other opportunities and stuff. And that's kind of like how I've just naturally become now as well.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you about is, I know you do a lot of work in the youth space. And that means a lot to you. I wanted to ask how you initially got involved with that in the first place and what it means to you to kind of help bring young people up and through and help them understand how to be entrepreneurial within the creative industries.
1: I've just volunteered like 10 years ago. I was this like bus kept driving into our estate that had like studios in the back. Like they'd open the doors and like these decks would come out. Sick, I
0: need one of them.
1: It was so cool, man. And I just kept seeing them. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, this is mad. And I went and chat to them. And then they told me what they were doing. And at the time, like, there was a lot of um, boys around my area that were just getting stabbed, like, and getting into fights. It was when, like, knife violence really started becoming prominent. And um, I think it's just always been in my nature to try and fix everything. And everyone around me, I've just kind of been that way and I can see that even earlier when you were like I thought this needed doing so I
0: was like I should do it
1: (laughs) you know and you know sometimes it's definitely like not a positive thing it's like caused me issues like I'm like a really unusual empath and it gives me like really bad anxiety but um yeah like there was all this stuff happening and I just wanted to help fix it I spoke to the uh, youth company that had come through on the bus and started volunteering with them and picking up some skills. And then, someone, one of my friends at the time, I think she'd seen an opportunity to do a rap workshop with a charity. And I was like, what the hell is a rap workshop? Like, what? People actually teach someone else how to rap. Cause I, I had only gone to like one project like that before when I was younger. And I was like, what? So I went to the interview and I got the job and then through that job, I met like a whole nother range of like artists, educators and stuff that were doing things. And I was like, this is like a real job. This is so weird. So I was freelancing and just doing a lot of bits and bobs. Mm. And then I got a job at breaking convention, which is who I work for Mm. as well as doing my own stuff. I just found that it was something I just have always done. It just came really natural to me. I really love it. And I had a really really hard time like at school and growing up like I was always off timetable at risk like I was on exclusions and I didn't have the greatest time at school and I think I related to the young people I was working with and they kind of engaged with me and our programs like really well and it's just really slowly built up but I love it more than music I love it more than running events I love it I love it more than radio like I I literally I think if you would do something for free for so long, it just it mm. is the thing that then after when you get paid to do it. And so like, I was made the education manager last year. And I feel like for me, that was one of the biggest things like the that ever happened because yeah. I was like, right, this is something that I would actually do for free. It's now a privilege to be mm. like getting paid for it and having an actual job role in it. One of the young people passed away, like literally he didn't pass away. He was stabbed. So he was murdered a few weeks ago. Another young person outside of the project in South, he was murdered last month. I've worked with people who then I've been told they're not coming back because they've been stabbed. There's a part of you that it's almost like it's really hard to even process it because you've still got all these other young people that you need to mm. look out for and worry about and all you're thinking is oh my god I need to pack more things in the program or oh, I need to volunteer more time so I'm I technically I'm supposed to work three days a week but I'm normally working like five or six days a week I just any other spare time I have I'm like guys let's go here oh we're going here let's do this because I just don't want them to be in the street or at the wrong place at the wrong time that side of it is really scary because you feel like you've they're your children in a way as well you know and you
0: realize that you're now part of their lives and you're gonna you're gonna have an impact and yeah you just want that impact to be as good as it can possibly be yeah shady before i let you go the final thing i want to ask is there's a few months left of 2021 what have you got coming up what are you excited about
1: so i forgot i have a whole new ep that i'm supposed to make what? <laughs> <laughs> So I got the PRS Women Make Music funds like early, early early this year. And um, but because everything had been pushed back from my album, obviously that also got pushed back. So it's called The Persian. And um, I'm literally about to start making that EP now (laughs) to release early in 2022 or late this year. So, yeah, I've got that EP to make. Um, my vinyl for my album right now, that's coming out in two weeks. I'm just literally signing and numbering them next week and then I can actually sell them. So I'm hoping to do like an in-store event um, at a record shop or something for that. So I'll let That'd you know- be so fun. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, I'm just growing my plants and I'm going to try and make some candles because I bought a candle making kit. <laughs> so I think I might like retire well, and sell candles next year. Are they scented? so I've got like the beeswax the containers I've bought loads of different oils that I want to experiment with and so yeah like the box has been sitting here for ages I just haven't had time to do it so I'm really going to try and do that this month at some point that would be nice have you made and candles then... before no right? I'm, not. I'm
0: like it's the kind of thing that I mean like I love candles though you know like you they're just so nice
1: where I do you normally like... get your candles
0: Normally I ask people To get them for me Because they're so expensive (laughs) Um, That's such a good answer I love it (laughs) Final question Um, Where are you at On the socials What are your handles Where can people find you If they've been listening And they want to check out Shady I am
1: Lady Shady Shady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Lady Shady (laughs) That is so jokes I I love that that. But yeah At Shady Rap On everything What up let's.
0: Yes. We keep our eyes on the prize, no surprise Good women, we're destined to rise yes. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation yes. Some hot girls, we you know the vibe yes. All the hot girls come alive All the Some hot girls, you we know, yes. yes. you know the vibe All my hot girls come alive